Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth. And I'm Ramey. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore. From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity. Today we're talking about the Saltville Muck Disaster. Location, Saltville, Virginia. The disaster happened December 24th, 1924. It's located in Saltville, Virginia. Most of it happened in a little suburb called Palmertown, but the whole location is considered Saltville. Yes. The date of the disaster was December 24th, 1924. I wasn't born there, but I have been to Saltville. It's just a few miles away. Yeah, same. This muck was a thick white substance made of about 16 years worth of alkaline waste. Since 1908, the waste had been put behind a dam made of a solidified version of the liquid it retained. It was built by the Matheson Alkali Works. Alkali. Alkali? Like alkaline. Didn't I say that? You said Alakai. Alakai. Okay. Jim Brown, a manager of environmental technology for Olin Corp. Erasure. <laughs> <laughs> for Olin Corporation, described the muck as ammonia still waste, a slurry made of solidified particles and liquor that was pumped out to the pond, which was mainly water, was drained into the river, a process for which the plant had a permit. Well, it's good they had a permit, I suppose. Mm -hmm. William B. Kent, a Saltville historian, said the retaining wall had gradually heightened without proper thickness until a great value of immense tonnage was retained by an inadequate shell. December 24th, 1924, the wall of the dam collapsed, causing a deadly white wave of muck loose. It was about 100 feet high, 300 feet wide, and covered about a 30-acre volume. You know, this is worse than I remember hearing about it in school. I didn't remember ever hearing about it until recently. We went to Saltville on a trip. I didn't. It's a historic town. If you ever go, you should visit the Appalachian Museum. Need to do that one day. Yeah. For those that don't know anything about Saltville, it got its name because there's salt mines that was used for a long time, and now it's caused sinkholes to form. The salt was, uh, they would send water down in holes to yeah. make the salt, you know, liquidy. And then they would drain it all up, and then they would boil the water to get, and then there's sinkholes just popping up everywhere. Yeah. Um, they fenced off the biggest danger area. It was also the salt capital of the Confederacy, which back then, that's how they preserved their food a lot. That was kind of important. And they have a mammoth. Or they have a huge mammoth. There's big muck pits and stuff. That was and, found there. A little bit of history about this. In the 1700s, many enterprising individuals dug wells and tapped into various saltwater springs flowing underneath the Saltville Valley. In the early 1800s, William King introduced steam-operated pumps that would pump salt brine out of the wells. By the 1880s, a railroad was built through the Saltville Valley. Beth, is that the same William King that had the art center? I was thinking that it was so close. They probably named the art center after whoever this person was. Cool. I would think. I don't know. We should know this. In 1893, Matheson Alkali Works began producing biocarbonate of soda using abundant natural deposits of salt as the main raw material. The brand name they used was Eagle Thistle. Throughout almost eight decades, the plant progressively diversified to become a primary manufacturer. Products widely used as base materials for items such as medicine, glues, soaps, textiles, paper, and various industrial chemical compounds such as biocarbonate of soda, soda ash, and caustic soda. What is that? Caustic means corrosive. Eventually, the plant installed technology to produce baking soda, bleaching powder, and dry ice. The plant was like 
the economic foundation of Sovel at the time. I think the company actually owned the general store there, too. Yeah, that makes sense because a lot of companies did back then. Yeah. A little bit about Palmertown was located on the south bank of the North Fork of Holston River. Across the river on the north bank was the muck dam that the plant pumped the waste into. The plant was located on the south bank of the river, one quarter mile upstream from Palmertown, meaning the muck had to be pumped across the river and downstream in big pipes. In 1972, the plant was permanently closed. That's probably good. Yeah, probably. The night the muck dam broke on December 24th, 1924, a few minutes past eight, the dam broke and the wave of muck swept into the river and through the towns, taking out houses, barns, trees, and anything else in its path. Or if it didn't pull it up and take it with it, it just buried it under the muck. Might be best to be washed away at that point. Yeah. Boulders weighing 15 to 20 tons were hurled across the river and over the hill on the opposite side. They have an Eagle Thistle cookbook. Really? 1909. Hmm. Well, this happened in the 1920s. Well. Well, I guess they were probably making it at that point, weren't they? Yeah. What does it have in it? Does it look good? They have one at the Smith County Historical Society. The main idea in the preparation of the Eagle Thistle Cookbook has been to furnish the housewife with a com- with a <laughs> with a compilation so valuable as to warrant its preservation for the future use. Every recipe therein has been found in actual experience most satisfactory. <laughs> I love 1909. <laughs> Some are especially valuable because of their inexpensiveness while giving same result as an extravagant formula. Other valuable information than recipes is to be found therein to make baking powder. Directions for using Eagle Thistle it has Soda. directions to make baking powder? Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's cool. I'm pretty sure the uh, soda, you know, baking soda, Eagle Thistle Soda could be mixed with other stuff to make baking powder. One pound of Eagle Thistle Soda, three-fourth pound of powdered starch, and some cream tartar. Two pounds of that. Grandmother's biscuits, beaten biscuit, chocolate pudding, caramel and brown pudding, cream pie. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting to find it in an Eagle Thistle cookbook in 1909. <laughs> Coconut pie, Virginia chocolate pie. What is chess pies? I don't know. Well, they existed. Oh, this is exciting. Order it and make a chess pie. Caramel custard, caramel filling, fruit punch. Oh, chocolate syrup. A lot of chocolate going on here. Uh, raspberry cream, delicate cake, Aunt Fee's tea cakes, devil food cake. Oh, I love those. Soft gingerbread, one egg cake. Must be in a shortage on eggs at the time. Donuts, imperial cakes. Well, that sounds like my kind of cake. Oh, they had the 1909 January 1st uh, estimated population of the United States in this as well. In the cookbook? Yeah. Why? I guess it was more like an almanac. <laughs> Total population, 88,912,000. And 58 people. Let's see what Virginia had. 2,042,388. What does California have back then? 2 million even. Wow, we outpopulated California in 1909. I'm guessing back then not many people wanted to go there. Mm -mm. It it was a long trip. (sighs) Yeah, uh, Colorado. Where's Florida? 650,000. Well, Disney changed that, didn't they? This was fascinating. I could have just read this book instead of this whole podcast. Well, gee, thanks. You told me to look for it, and I did. Well, I was talking about the 15 to 20 ton boulders that were (laughs) hurled across the river and over the hill on the opposite side. The distance was over 250 yards. Oh, my. Yeah. 
19 people lost their lives due to the muck disaster. One person said the whole landscape was covered with a thick coat of muck, which gave an appearance not very unlike that of a great snowfield. There's only two pictures I want to say that I could even find when I was looking this up. And they're obviously in black and white and hard to tell, but it does look like snow. I know what you're talking about, but it's really just a nasty, mucky foam stuff. Yeah. There was debris floating on the surface, drowned animals laying about. Oh, no. An apple orchard was destroyed. The trees had been pulled up and washed away. Most of the trees, anyway. I'm sure the other ones were perfectly safe to eat apples from. Oh, yes. Masses of the wall of the dam were as large as a barn and as tall as a church spire. They were placed where homes used to be. Palmertown wasn't the only area that was damaged. Two more waves took different paths. One wave went upstream, so the river's current didn't stop it. One quarter of a mile upstream, the greater portion of the clinch row was destroyed by the muck. No deaths were caused by the disaster in that area, but the entire community was permanently abandoned due to so much destruction of the property. That's a sad, sad day for everybody. The second wave accumulated in the river, producing a second muck dam, (laughs) which grew so much that the river began backing up and rising. Henrytown residents, about half a mile downstream, evacuated their homes. About three in the morning, the obstruction collapsed due to the pressure of the river. The wave gradually dispersed itself, so the river only rose just a foot or two over the banks for just a moment or so. In the Kingsport Times News on December 30th, 1924, an article was titled, Muck Dam Debris Reaches Knoxville. According to the article, the alkalinity... That's right doubled in the Holston River in the Tennessee River. Is it Holston or Tennessee? What are you Um, talking about? That's how it was worded. So I don't know if they mean the Holston River on the Tennessee side, but that's what I would assume they mean. That's just an assumption. December 28, 1924, a Kingsport paper had an article appear reading, From the morning hours yesterday until toward nightfall, men and women occupied the banks of the Holston with their gigs taking the thousands of fish unable to live in the alkaline water. All you had to worry about was alkaline poisoning. Hmm. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm Isn't it, it just salt, though? How but about? it also said waste. Yeah, that's waste. If it was salt, they would have So what's it. the waste of it? You didn't find anything about how dangerous this stuff was? No. For fish, I can understand, because fish are fragile. It has a pH higher than 7. I shouldn't have looked that up. I look up alkali poisoning, and it says, help is available. Call 800. (laughs) Mine says that all the time with all the research I've been doing, all the Um, weird stuff. It pops up immediately. It's just acidic. Bleach, detergent, hair relaxer, dish cleaner, lye pool chemicals. Lye? Alkaline batteries. It's just drain cleaners and stuff. Yeah, it's poison, man. Yeah. Yeah, the bleach alone would make me pass out. Yeah, I can't stand bleach smells. Just a few miles around Kingsport at the Gate City Bridge, a pair of trucks are said to have been loading down with fish that were blinded and suffocated by the alkali and were hauled to the Big Stone Gap Market. But if all these were chemicals that you said, would you want to eat those fish? I don't think anybody was telling them to stop. When people of Palmerville heard the noise, some ran out of their homes believing it was a really strong wind. They were swept off of their feet and hit with debris. Those still in their homes could feel their homes moving, being washed away by the muck. People said they could hear a lot of screaming and crashing. I'm sure they could. After the muck disaster, no hospitals existed in Saltville Valley in the 1924. A temporary medical center was established in response to the muck disaster in the upstairs lodge rooms in the general store, which was owned by Matheson Alakai Works. I'm sure they 
kept all the records of this disaster. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the plant donated beds, chairs, food, and other various supplies out of their store. I mean, that's better than a lot of places would have done earlier. Yeah. I can honestly say I don't think the plant or the company, obviously I don't think that they meant for this to happen at all, but they did donate not only this, but some money and really tried to help. Proper inspection. I don't know if it was around back then, so could, perhaps it could have been overlooked by the people who wouldn't have wanted this to happen mm-hmm. higher in the company. Considering the company doesn't want this to happen. Yeah. Considering it was made out of a solid version of this waste, I'm guessing it didn't have much inspection, but that's just a guess. Several doctors and nurses were called in to assist. I'm going to list them. Dr. Staley of Bristol. I don't know if that was a typo and it was supposed to be Stanley, but it said S-T-A-L-E-Y. Dr. McKee of Plasterco. I don't know where that is. Someplace that makes plaster. (laughs) Dr. Hughes of North Holston, Dr. Walcott of Clinchburg, Miss Wright of Marion, Miss Helen Wright of Abingdon, Miss Louise Wright of Saltbowl, Miss Shannon of Bristol, Miss Ross Turner of Smithfield, Miss K. Boyd of Saltbowl, and Mrs. J. H. Hamilton of Saltbowl. There's a few last names there I recognize around here. Yeah. <laughs> so many volunteers showed up that some had to be turned away because they had too many. That's good. That's yeah. a good sign for the community. Yeah. Dense fog that night and a drizzling rain made it difficult in the search for missing people, so they set fire to a destroyed house for light. Cotton waste and many gallons of oil were sent from the store and put along the banks to ignite for light as well. Cotton waste. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that is either. That's just cotton that I can't use, I guess. Or Why can't you use it? Maybe it's full of Bugs? I don't know. By December 17th, 11 of the 19 people that had died were found. Over the course of four weeks, the remaining were found. The ones that you found so much later are the awful, awful... Decomposed. Yeah, it's a mess. I, I'd hate Then that. again, it was salt waste. Would they be? <laughs> I don't That's know. terrible, oh, but... It I was just... <laughs> slightly acidic, so hard to tell. I know it also said, which I probably should have put in the notes before, but one of the websites I was reading said that the Cherokee tribe would use the salt to preserve meat, which obviously that's what they had to do back then. So I'm wondering about the decomposing part. My mind's thinking. But it's a high pH level of, it's a corrosive byproduct. Yeah. There was an emergency rescue fund administered by the American Red Cross. The first round of contributions totaled $2,865 in the 20s. $49,000. Oh, okay. Well, Matheson Alakai. Alkali, Alkali Works donated 2000 of that. Saltville Chapter of the American Red Cross donated 250 Lynn Commender Number 9 of Marion donated $15. I have no idea what that is. I don't know. Mr. and Mrs. E.M. Allen donated $350. Mr. E.A. Holt, the general manager of the Matheson Al- the Works plant, Donated $250. So he used the company money to donate most of it. If the Alkali Works donated 2000 and he donated personally out of his own pocket 250 It's less of a budget hit when you can take it out of the company money. And it's a tax write-off for charity, I bet. Yeah. I don't know how that worked back then. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Whatever. They donated. That's yeah. more important than not at all. Yeah. Matheson Al- Alkali Works 
offered for those who suffered loss of property, new homes, furniture, and clothes as well. So they're really trying to help, even though it was their dam that caused this. Virginia Governor Lee Trinkle (laughs) sent a telegram to Mr. E.A. Hulp that said, Accept my deepest regrets at the sad catastrophe at your plant. Please convey to the stricken families my sincere sympathy in their hour of need. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. I, and that, I don't travel think wasn't easy it. back then. So travel wasn't easy, but I feel like a donation hopefully was put in there. It would have been mentioned mm. if it has. I'm sure. Yeah. The mayor of Glade Springs and superintendent of state roads offered to make themselves and their resources available if called upon. That's mm-hmm. a nice gesture. If they had really needed it, I'm sure they would have. Probably. It does seem like this company, though, stepped up real well. They did. They really didn't have to ask for much help. It was a terrible, terrible incident. There ain't yeah. nothing that's going to bring those people back. But they took up the uh, torch when the time came and, yeah. and did maybe in right. hopes that they weren't getting sued. Who knows? <laughs> I have no idea how this company treated people until this happened. I don't know. Some theories as to how the muck disaster may have happened. There's two reasons that are based on several reports of an explosion heard at about 8 on that evening. One theory says that gas formed underneath the muck and exploded for some unknown reason. Another theory said somebody intentionally planted explosives on the wall of the dam, either as a joke or as a way of taking out vengeance upon the plant. Haha, I blew up your town. (laughs) (laughs) What a joke. The more popular theory is that the dam structure experienced a major weakness as a result of heavy precipitation. Nobody ever blamed the plant, and it's probably due to the donations and their many efforts to help after the disaster, I would assume. Everybody got a new home and lost a family member, so back then, I don't know if that was a fair trade or not. I guess it depends if the family member was toxic or not. And if they were like two years old, half of them died anyway. Yeah, I'm going to mention the lives that were lost, their names and their ages. Charles Emery Clear was five years old. Opal Jane Polly was 10 years old. James C. Scott was a 72-year-old. Christina Walk was eight months old. Oh, dear. Yeah. Laura B. Walk was seven years old. Lonnie B. Walk was 10 years old. Adelie Stout was 24-year-old. Mary Luella Stout was four years old. Roy Lee Stout was one-year-old. Okay, so that was just a family at home, most likely. A lot of them are family. Yeah, but the fact that these children are all dying, but the adults don't seem to be adding up. Yeah, there's way more children. Way more. What was up with that? Like, I'm assuming they might not have known how to swim. And I mean, it is a wave. Even yeah, if you do true. know, it's you're going to get hit by debris as well. That's probably the bigger part of it. Roy Lee Stout was one year old. Hazel Jackson was two years old. Maxie Jackson was 18 years old. Nanny Jackson was 45 years old. Bessie G. Prater was 10 months old. J.D. Prater was 49 years old. Lots of Praters went. Yes, I think their whole family. Oh, dear. It looks like. Anyway, Junior Prater was one year old. Leota Prater was 19 years old. Leslie Prater was three years old. And Mammy Prater was 36 years old. Hiawatha Prater was 25 years old. That someone was arrested for exploding, putting explosives or thought to have put explosives there because something went down at the plant that he didn't like or something. I don't know if he got fired or what it was. And I forgot the name of who he was, but I don't know if he ever got charged or if he was ever found guilty or if he was found innocent or what happened. I couldn't find out after that. I think I want to say he was kept in a jail in Marion. 
I mean, maybe he done something. I don't know, but it'd be awful bad. Well, if they don't he think made he a threat after this thing happened. After? Or, I mean, before, sorry. Before oh. the dam collapsed, he made a threat about the plant. <laughs> and so maybe that's why he got arrested and was sent. But like I said, I couldn't find out if he was guilty, if that's actually what happened, or if it was simply because of the dam getting weakened, which is also a, probably a good possibility as well. Yeah. So if anybody around has heard this story and knows that part of the information, I would love to know. Because I couldn't find it. I'm going with the, it was probably just the weakening of the dam as my own. But I would love to know if somebody knows for sure. You need to take me there one day. Uh, we had plans to, but something came up. I don't recall what it was. I think it was serious rain for like four days, five days in a row. And we just never went. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Thank you for telling me about this. We will definitely go up to that museum in uh, Solville and maybe do another episode about some other stuff. Because there's been some more. If the museum tells me anything about how it actually happened, I will update it in whatever episode would be next. There we go. Beth, tell us your social information. I have an email that you can contact me if you have any suggestions, questions, or if I... Complaints. Yeah, you can complain as long as you're respectful. Don't be calling me names or cussing me. The email is horrifichistory.hauntings at gmail.com. I also have a Pinterest that I try to save information or cool pictures about some of these topics that I talk about. Interesting websites that come up as well. It's at Horrific History Hauntings for the Pinterest. I also have a TikTok. I normally wait until after the episode is out, but I do try to put some little videos. I've recently been trying to put more information in the videos as well on TikTok, even though I post them after the episode is out because I'm one of those people if I see something I'm interested in, it's like, go to this website, and I go there, and the episode's not out yet, and then I just completely forget about it. So I wait until after the episode's out to do that. The name for the TikTok is at Horrific History Hauntings. Mine is Gruesome Gaming G, and I kind of cover all the podcasts that we do. Gruesome Gaming G1 is my Instagram. If you like what you heard here today, we have a few other podcasts that's part of the Gruesome Gaming Group Network. What we have is Brother Knows Quest. It's another podcast that me and Beth do. And we talk about, or I talk about, tabletop role-playing games, a different one each week. And she tells me what she thinks about it, if she can get a word in. Also, my friend Dakota and I do a podcast about video games we've played and enjoy. We talk about different ones each week. I'll leave the links to all that in the description below. Also, I have a bit of a fascination when it comes to natural disasters or disasters such as this. So I will have more. I want to do one on Hurricane Katrina. I want to do one on mostly tsunamis. I really am fascinated by tsunamis. Any links that we have will be in the description of this episode, like I said. Also, we have a YouTube account now. We upload these episodes to YouTube. If you want to go there and subscribe, you can also leave comments on the episodes. It's easier for you to do that instead of emails or whatever. Thank you for listening. I've been Ramey. And I'm Beth. And this has been HHNH. Goodbye. <laughs>